Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. I've got two cups of tea. Will it be enough? I think so. What's been happening? Are we going? Yeah. Anybody got anything, anything amusing happened? Uh, on what scale? Do you know what they've done at my... Is that going to make a noise now? Jeez, I think it? it might do, actually. So yeah. turn it off. You've got to get up, up there. Now you've got to stand... Oh. No, I've turned that off. It's, no, it's this. Oh, I see. It's the... I'll tell you what it is. It's about to boil. We can just let it boil. We can just leave it. Is it very noisy? It's Quite just noisy. that. It's the coffee machine. Oh. It's boiling is what it's doing. Yeah. Should I turn it off? It's, no, leave it. It's fine. For the, it's just you know, verita- it. audio verita- verite. Sid's psychedelic breakfast. Oh, yeah. It's Alan's psychedelic breakfast. So Mark Allen is making his psychedelic breakfast, isn't he? <laughs> if you can hear a noise in the background, there's Mark's coffee Mark's boiling. psychedelic breakfast. That's brilliant. Mark's percolating. Mark's percolating. <laughs> Where does psychedelic breakfast come from? It's the Pink Floyd, isn't it? It's Pink Floyd. Was it on... Um, oh, God. Something like... Uh, probably I'm a gummer. It's the sound of fried eggs and things, isn't it? Isn't it Alan's psychedelic breakfast? It's Alan's psychedelic breakfast. Who it really just sounds like any normal breakfast, except that Alan is about to consume it and is constructing it. And clearly Alan's on one, isn't he, I reckon? <laughs> Alan's away with the fairies. Alan is which not... Which makes it psychedelic. Did you, um, did you catch it, Can I just say one further thing on the psychedelic breakfast? Alan is not the, the road manager, is he? Oh, Lord, I don't know. Because, be. interesting, it, I'm just a, a desperate, you know, popular entertainment uh, link across the decades that I feel I have to unburden myself of right now. On the back of a Magoma is uh, a picture all the equipment. Of, of all Pink Floyd's equipment Fantastic. lined up on an airfield with two guys who are the kind of the road managers. One of whom... Has just consumed a psychedelic breakfast. That's what you're going to say. Could well be. No. Yeah. One of whom is the father of, the late father of, movie star Naomi Watts. Well, there's a thing. Oh, wow. Star of Mulholland Drive yeah. and King yeah. Kong and God knows loads of things. Um, you know, and he died, in, I don't know, in the early 70s or something. And they, uh, she moved to Australia with her mother. And uh, so there you are. Pink Floyd, Naomi Watts. That's good. Connection. I'm impressed by that. Talking of psychedelia, I was reading about the um, the sale of the uh, goods and chattels of the Café Royale, which was up for oh, right, um, yes. auction this week. Very and sad. Were, yeah, very sad. Um, but one thing was great was they described um, the occasion, which I'd never heard of before, when uh, Oscar Wilde had, a, had an, um, 
an absinthe hallucination while at the uh, cafe. C- can you have? Well, you can, can't you? Yeah, yeah. It's strong stuff. There was a, there was a there was a waiter um, brushing the floor with a broom. And dear, dear Oscar uh, thought that um, he was actually watering some flowers with a watering can. He'd taken so much absinthe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, well, other, sorry, just one other thing. Was somebody... Stay on the subject of drinks. Okay, while on the subject of drinks, but just while on the subject of the Cafe Royal uh, <laughs> auction, somebody paid £4,500 uh, for a particular item at the, uh, at the auction. Uh, it was it was a very particular item to the Cafe Royal. It was a duck press. Oh yes. It was an item, <laughs> the purpose of which was to remove all moisture moisture from a duck. duck. <laughs> <laughs> well, had they had a sort of flurry of people sending their ducks back, saying they were a little on the watery side. Presumably, the duck was deceased. Hydrated, overhydrated duck. So the duck is shot, plucked. As if it hasn't suffered enough indignity, Dave, it's then pressed. It puts it in a press and flattens it. It's like something out of of Bugs Bunny, isn't it, or something? Isn't isn't that what they call spatchcock, actually? No, 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 spatchcock is just when you... We were in the Alpino Cafe the other day with with Andrew Collins, word writer, and uh, somebody, Kate Mossman, ordered the the chicken. Spatchcock? Yeah, but it's not. It's a slightly cheaper version here, isn't it? It's it's, it's Coco Van, isn't it? She's the old gang, but it's cock that's been run over by a van. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a chicken that's been removed from the back wheel of the number seventy three bus and pan fried in, in margarine. <laughs> Isn't it a black alligator? It's like in Can I complain about something? Are we allowed to do that? I got on the tube this morning at Turnham Green in West London, and sorry, I bet it's really brief. Transport listeners, yeah, and, just, and uh, there's the very loud sound of classical music coming out of the tannoys, right? So I go up to the girl, the ticket taker, and say, "What's this music? Are you celebrating something?" He said. It's awful, isn't it? Do you want to complain? Would you like a complaint form? I said, well, no, actually, I was, going to say, I was really enjoying it because I, 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 I'm, you know, I haven't got to my classical music phase. It's going to start in two or three years' time, so I can only identify three or four pieces of classical music. And it wasn't uh, Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor, which I can identify immediately because it's a tune from start to finish. But it still sounded really nice. I said, what are you doing it then? He said, it's to stop loutish behaviour. <laughs> so they now pipe. Let's go through it again. <laughs> at Turnham Turn Green. Green. At Turnham Turn Green. Green. The idea cheesy. of loutish behaviour is that, you know, there's an unruly scrum to buy the Daily Mail or the Telegraph. <laughs> or the price of a pan of chocolate has gone up. Isn't that me? So we are... Actually, it's, it's 1984, man. They're, they're playing with our minds. They're engineering our lives. They're playing classical music to, like, control us, right? Like, I'm paranoid. Yeah? But it's, was that the man? It wasn't actually... The man's it, trying to bust our scene, man. It wasn't actually 1984. Isn't the actual argument... Oh, wasn't it? No, sorry. it was a clockwork orange. A clockwork orange. Sorry, one of the two. Yes. I think the actual argument behind using this, and they have, they have played this in various... Uh, city centres up and down the nation, haven't they, uh, on a Saturday night, is not that it's supposed to be soothing uh, or calming. It's supposed to be that it puts off yobs, that they just oh, can't they bear it. The yobs can't they're, bear them. They run really, away with their fingers yeah, in their ears. Yes. yes. Oh, that's brilliant. It's like sending out those kind of sonic uh, things to starlings to make them go away. That's a brilliant idea. I've got to get back. You listen to the word podcast. I'm David Hepworth, and I'm joined by... Matt Hall. And Mark Allen. And we were talking about drinks and Oscar Wilde's absinthe accident at the Cafe Royal, which leads, as logically as these things ever do, <laughs> to the one of the most popular threads on the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk, over the last week, which started with an email, which Mark will have got as well, from uh, Paul Denoyer, 
Uh, Paul has finished his most recent book and said, I am available. The sign-off line was, I'm available for a light and bitter any time you like. <laughs> yeah. And it really brought it waves of nostalgia uh, back, uh, washing over me, thinking about light and bitter. And thinking about drinks you have known and loved and almost lived on for a period of time <laughs> that have somehow just gone away. And so through this open to wow. the word massive, and I've compiled, Go on. you tell me if you remember any of these, Go on. I've compiled a top ten. Are they for the, for the boys from, or the ladies? Uh, well, we, Is it for we, the ladies? It's mainly the boys, actually. It does include the ladies. We touch on the ladies later on. Okay. We can do a separate thing about the okay. ladies. But, it, you know, so nothing, nothing brings back the past, like, you know, <laughs> drinks that have gone. And this is mainly branded drinks, not mixers and so forth. Right, go on. I like this. Neil Dyson weighs in at number 10 with Underberg. Does that mean anything Oh, yeah, it's a strong uh, European ale, isn't it? No, 45? it's not. No, it's not. Oh. It's a tiny bottle, he says, sold from an oh, yeah, ammo yeah, belt yes, hung yes, up behind the bar. Yes. And apparently a wonder cure for hangovers. Yeah, does it have Angus Durers in it or so something? That kind I of thing. I think it does. I know it's exactly something Jeeves yeah. would give it came in a bullet in the morning. belt. Yeah, yeah and a bullet belt. You're absolutely right. He says, never dared try it after watching a mate who was very hungover down one and immediately projectile vomit over the barman. So that's a number <laughs> 10. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Most people leave a tip. <laughs> <laughs> and number nine, and I've tragically forgotten the name of the person who suggested this. So's he. We- <laughs> <laughs> Three underbergens. And you don't know where you are. Whitbread <laughs> trophy bitter. Oh, yes. Now, do you remember the line that this was advertised I think under? it was the pint that thinks it's a quart. The pint thinks that a thinks it's a quart. Yeah, it was. This is exactly- yeah. He says, has he quite rightly asked... What was that supposed to mean? Yeah, it's watered down to water down. Advertising standards <laughs> must have. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can't, you can't advertise something on the basis that it's you know significantly bigger than it than it actually is. <laughs> the ASA must have come in there and said, you know, I think you're going to have to lose the that. ASA, line. I think, had a much laxer idea of what con- constituted fair dealing at that point. So, so in the TV adverts, the barmaid used to place this huge glass on the bar, and it looks more like it helped five gallons. And he's absolutely right. That's one of the wonderful benefits of YouTube is you can look up old beer adverts to your heart's content. (laughs) And it really does take you It just keeps getting better, doesn't it? That's not going to help the British economy get better. Oh, sorry, that was Carl Parker. I found the name. Carl Parker said that. Uh, Okay, number eight. Uh, Mint wants to know if, and you might be able to tell us this, is Castlemaine 4X still out there? Oh, yeah, it must be. Yeah, with the what famous ad, it? the Australian ad. They don't give a 4X for yeah, anything else. Yeah, I think it is, actually. Yeah, it must well, be. I haven't seen it for ages. He says, remember when the first uh, came out, it seemed like the height of sophistication, drinking an Australian beer. How cosmopolitan, <laughs> oh, yeah. which yeah. he's quite right it was. Now, Jamie Bowman at number seven. This is association with, with drinks, with particular phases in popular music um, history, which I think is rather good. He talks about the summer of 96 being the summer of hooch. Oh, yes. Uh, it was a joy to be alive. I was 18. <laughs> I don't remember hooch. Hooch? What's hooch? hooch. I thought hooch was a generic term for very cheap booze. Hooch was, one, I think, one of your first alco pops. Yes, it was. Oh, right. I was 18. Oh, I'm not a girl, you see, so I wouldn't no, know No, about no, that. no, it wasn't girls. It wasn't girls. Isn't it alco, it alco was pops boys. Was girls? It not, was teenage boys. Right. You were not a girl, and you uh, don't mind the slightly bitter and strange taste of alcohol. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> he says... <laughs> He says, sweeten the pill for me. (laughs) Hooch was the fuel of this halcyon period, especially when mixed with Stella to make a power shandy. That's good. It's a good one, isn't it? Stella and Hooch. Sounds like a a, a cop TV series. And number six, 
uh, suggested by Matt Davis, and uh, suggested by many people, actually, Diamond White. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not big, not clever, very, very ugly, he says. What was it, Matt? Diamond White uh, was, I think, um, your industrially brewed cider. Oh! It's, uh, I, I, can, I know a lot about Diamond White, because I used to be in a pop group with uh, the lead singer who used to drink this stuff. I'm not going to mention his name, but we can call him Tom Hibbard, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to buy it. It comes in... It's only drunk, to be honest, by, uh, by, uh, by I think, what we have to call hobos. Gentlemen of the road. <laughs> Gentlemen of the road. I love that. It's, it comes in a, in a, in a one-and-a-half to two-litre plastic screw-top uh, container, and it is 9.7% proof. It's never uh, seen an apple, has it? It's, ne- it's never seen an apple. You shake the diamond white tree and nothing will come down. <laughs> and, and number five. And number five. Again, suggested by Carl Parker. Watney's Starlight, uh, which was contained so little alcohol it could have been legally sold as a soft drink, which I don't remember, but I'll take your word for it. And number four, Breaker. In, yes. in oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. What do we know about Breaker? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what... I'll tell you what... Had a sort of explosion with ice on that. I think it was the... for those whom Colt 45 was a tad too sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> says, I recall being drinking five cans of Breaker and hardly being able to stand up, let alone function. It was, yeah, it was, it was your malt liquor, which was the only other thing, apart from Colt 45, that was sold as kind of American malt liquor. Again, don't know how, what relationship it actually had with America. We're now into the top America three. Or malt. We're now into the top okay. three. Okay. This is good. I'm trying to guess what they And number be. three, and this is where the ladies come in, and I well remember an era when you used to buy this for the ladies, when Go the on. ladies didn't drink in large volumes. They yeah. used to drink for kind of alcoholic you know, content. Whatever happens, Steve Turner asks, to barley wine. Barley wine. Well, barley wine, I remember, was advertised. It's one of the few drinks. Some drinks are advertised on the basis of how much they cost. Um, Chivas Regal being one. Uh, barley wine was advertised on the basis of how pissed it got you <laughs> and how or cheap it was. how pissed it got her. Or her, or possibly. And, and it was said, strong as a double scotch and only and less than half the price. <laughs> that was the actual slogan to, you could on the poster. Yeah, yeah. What they didn't add, of course, is that it is absolutely palatable, unpalatable, ghastly. I once spent a, 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 a teenage birthday. Oh, Lord. Very, very, as you say. Yeah. Um, by, because the barman agreed to buy me the first drink as long as I stuck on it all night. And it was uh, barley wine topped up, or it was gold label uh, barley wine, specifically topped up with uh, bass. Oh, in pints. God. Oh. Right, top two, Upon top which you two. Floated a curry. <laughs> you, used to, you never ate in the seventies. You used to float something. <laughs> Bigsby weighs in at number two. Wants to know if anybody remembers Top Deck Shandy. Oh yeah, Top not Deck. Stri- not yeah. strictly your alcohol. It's no. a drink you could buy as a ten-year-old and feel like you were a teenager. Yeah, you could. It's said the on the can. Teenagers wanted to feel like adults. Ten-year-olds wanted to feel like teenagers. Again, it's terrible. I know these percentages. I remember it said on the can something like 0.3% alcohol. Yeah, 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 and you yeah. think, how much of this have I got to drink to get out of my head? <laughs> and finally, and number one, and again, our winner is because he always goes that extra mile. Archie Valparaiso. Oh, Paraiso, good, the great man. Who sent in, actually, a, a, a graphic of the label of this, of this drink, which I'm now going to hand to Mark, and he's going to read what it says oh, on right. this label. Oh, God, clanned you. A fine blend. Blend is a bad word, by the way. <laughs> blend is a bad word. A fine blend of British wine and four-year-old malt scotch. <laughs> 
Imagine that. British wine. wine. <laughs> it's wine and whiskey. How can that be a fine blend? It's going to be fine. What's fine about that? It's perfectly fine. You put a bit more in, please. Brit- British wine. <laughs> as he says, oh, as he oh. says in his submission. Oh, Christ. grain and grape, helpfully ready. <laughs> yes, but British wine's brilliant, isn't it? Because British wine is is uh, by it's the legal it's definition. Over in a bottle, isn't it? Me grain in a bottle. <laughs> British wine is basically industrial uh, alcohol shipped to England, shipped to Britain. And That's not then, true. And then added when water added. Well, Brit- yeah, oh, no. well, really cheap British wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent English wine. No, no, English, wi- English wine made from English grapes is different from yeah, British yeah. wine. The legal definition <laughs> of British wine is, is, al- is booze Anything uh, with, they the, didn't with want. the liquid taken out, with the li- <laughs> water taken out. Shipped to Britain and then. Who ever thought Clandew was a good idea? Because you know, David's right, it's grape and grain, isn't it? Because that is the equivalent of selling a mix in the same bottle, brandy and whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill it itself. <laughs> but it's going to arrive dead. But don't you think about the thing about drinks is you sort of think that they're there forever. You sort of think they're facts of life, don't you? Yeah. Go into pub. Oh, look, they've got so-and-so. Yeah. And I'm, I you, still drink... go, you still go into the, into the castle, do you, and ask for a pint of double diamond? Because, David, it's a long the... wait there. What's just amazing is how many of these things have just disappeared, just completely slipped really away. I thought that Hofmeister was going to be on your it list. Was, oh, Hoffmeister the bear. Was, was quoted um, throughout the, well, the thread could, on the site. switch on the TV without seeing a, a bear. Fo- bear. Which you were in invited to follow. Hat. I know, that's right. Yes, it was a bear. It was the two-tone drink, wasn't it? It was a It was kind of like Chaz Everything was there, madness. That yeah, madness type yeah. uh, era. But also... Um, follow the bear. Yeah, this, follow I don't know if, if any of these have come up, but I used to work in a pub in the, uh, in the dim and distant past. And the <laughs> things that, like you just uh, described, uh, Paul Denoyer's offering, um, things that used to be mixed behind bars that are, no, that are no longer. I mean, like, I can remember a brown split, which was brown ale topped up with pump bitter, a light split, same but with light ale, and my favourite, and this may be just in Somerset, a brandy and pep. Which pep? Was, What's pep? Uh, peppermint. peppermint cordial. Oh, God! Imagine that! Oh. <laughs> Again, for the ladies. Yeah. For the sophisticated yeah. lady. Oh, the unlucky, lucky lady. Oh, Christ, that's appalling. <laughs> but I still love the names of things. There's one of my favourites we used to drink in the 70s when I lived in South London. You can still get it if you go to a Young's pub. And Young's symbol is the ram. And they had a, a bitter called, called Ram, Ram Bitter. And they also had one uh, slightly strong called Special. And you could have a Ram and Spech. I just, I just thought it was just fun to order. It's just Ram and Spech. It's half and half. Perfectly all right. Uh, it just yeah, makes yeah. you sound a bit good. You, get to go, you don't have a pint of order, you have a Ram and Spech. And then um, the, uh, the combination that was on that list, of course, a few years ago, was uh, the, the, um, the Naughty Vimto. Oh. Which, which was that? Which was, which was, I think, Port <laughs> and Blue WKD. Uh, Alco pop. Oh uh, god! Uh, and it and it does taste remarkably like Vimto, but of course, is very naughty. Naughty Vimto. <laughs> Our Alco pop sounds still... so tempting. <laughs> Our Alco pop still, you know, widely well, consumed. Looking at me as the, uh, the youth drink correspondent. No, I sort of want to know because I thought there was a bit of a scandal wasn't there, a few years ago about the about the it was encouraging people to start drinking too early because it tasted like pop. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I, I wonder if they'd well, have to retreat a bit on that front. Because you don't hear about them. Yes, they're still advertised, aren't they? Are WKD's they? WKD's still advertised. On oh, the okay. Yeah. All right, fine. They're all advertised at kind of FHM man, though, Because you've they? got a WKD side, I think, is the structure. Oh, I see. So that's actually aimed at 12-year-old boys, even though it appears to be aimed at 21-year-old blokes. I couldn't Which would be a scandalous it. thing to say about the policies of marketing of the brewery. Never been done before. <laughs> Never been done before. <laughs> 
the word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. So anyway, things we have learnt this week. Anybody got anything to offer? Oh, no. No? Um, Can I just, I'll weigh in while you're thinking. Oh, Matt, go on. Matt's reading the book. I'm reading a very fine book uh, by uh, Piers Brendan called The Decline and Fall of the British Empire, 1781 to 1997. It's got some fantastic Victorian uh, summations of other nationalities. <laughs> My favourite that I've come across, I'm only 72 pages into it, is, uh, is a Victorian um, uh, summation of the uh, Australian character. Um, unfortunately, I don't know the, uh, the name of the, uh, whoever wrote this, but uh, they described uh, the, the country's daughters as dowdy huzzies and its sons as... Lanky, lean, pasty-faced, blaspheming blackguards, <laughs> drinking rum before breakfast, and living by cheating one another out of horses. <laughs> <laughs> How little has changed. That's very good. Oh, that's very good. I, I was reading about Tommy Cooper. I didn't realise uh, Tommy Cooper. The dark side of Tommy Cooper. Is anybody familiar with Tommy Cooper? Um, really? Died at the Palladium. Died on stage. Died at the, drank like a... Like a fish. You'd never have guessed it, would and, you? And, no. And he used to, you know, he was not very nice to his wife. Uh, and, uh, and, and probably many people around him. Anyway, just Are one... Are trying to tell us, Dave, that some showbiz celebrities who've achieved an enormous amount of notoriety are, are, are off-screen, not quite like they appear? Is that what I you're saying? I suppose I am. But I think it always seems particularly poignant when it occurs with comics, because people love comics. They do. They find it, that's why those a, books sell so well. No, I mean, I they do. Kenneth Williams. I mean, Kenneth was very weird on screen, oh, really? but Kenneth Williams' diaries are brilliant. It's it's mostly it, it's really mostly about self love. Have you ever read them? He always oh, says certainly. he always says a Barclays then bed. <laughs> <laughs> the way every day's diary ends. A Barclays then bed. Think, oh, Christ. do you remember when we used to work in Great Portland Street? Because he lived at the top of Great Portland. He did Street, in the White House. He did, yeah. Uh, uh, opposite the White House, actually. Yeah. And he, I see him all the time coming down uh, Great Portland Street on his way to Broadcasting House or whatever, usually wearing a a a very belted pristine, mag, pristine. Shorty Mac. Shorty Mac. Shorty yeah, Mac. Yeah, Shorty Mac. Uh, it belted, absolutely. Yeah. And he always had a nose literally in the air yeah. up there. You know, like, I, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to engage anybody at all. While at the same time, you know, conducting the most extraordinary performance of being Kenneth Williams yeah, that you've precisely. ever seen. It My sister had a brief, briefly had a job in in, uh, in Habitat, which is quite near there, actually. That explains it, of course. And he came in once again to buy some candlesticks. And uh, he must have been, I suppose, in his late 40s. Who did he have with him? His mother. Oh, his mother lived next door. <laughs> his mother. His mother had come to help Kenneth choose candlesticks. A very complicated guy. He anyway, wouldn't let anybody use his... A Barclays, then bed. <laughs> if, you went, if, you, if you went to dinner at Kenneth Williams' home, which didn't happen very often, where did you have to go to the lavatory? Uh, somebody else's house? You went to the hotel across the yeah. road. Well, he didn't have a lavatory? He wouldn't, he, he did. Wouldn't he let wouldn't you. let anybody use it. <laughs> the little bastard. It's very even more complicated than you first thought, Mark. Christ Almighty, that really is. That's 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 almost quite rude, isn't it? Really? It's, no, it's social. It's pathological. It's pathological. Yes. He used to put cling film over his cooker, didn't he? But to stop people to stop using dust it, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it just wouldn't share anything. Absolute germs phobia. Which know. Howard Hughes looked like Not Pete Doherty. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> So, um, but the thing, the, the, um, Tommy Cooper, when he played the Bag of Nails, what? <laughs> However, sorry, I was just, li- I was listening on BBC <laughs> Seven the other day to, um, a, a version of, uh, an edition of Round the Horn. And there was this huge setup about this, about the programme being part, uh, being a celebration of the 150th, uh, 
anniversary of the invention of the crumpet, <laughs> the bread good. And it was just, it went on for five minutes, this, this riff, just so at the end they could describe how this huge crumpet was built, was made for Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee, just so Kenny Thorne could come out and say, and, and when people saw it, everybody said, that's a lovely bit of crumpet. <laughs> I thought that was a very word podcast moment there. We were all just sitting here talking, and suddenly I just look at you, and your shoulders started to shake, and you were just convulsed. And it's just a little thought bubble, you know, you're still thinking about Kenneth Horn, you know. If you listen around the horn nowadays, it's still funny, isn't it? It's filthy. Oh, it's absolutely filthy. But it is funny. It is very funny. And I love the idea of, you know, it seems that the first programme that I was aware of that invented regular gags... Where the gag was seeing how they were going to get to the gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and Julian and Sandy was just the absolute classic case. And that, you know, we went to Bona, whatever. You know, just just you knew at exactly the same point in the program. You know, Hugh Paddock, Kenneth Willis were going. I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. We're Bona so and so. You know, I'm sorry I've been late. I've been the back stripping a tall boy. <laughs> It's, exact, it's a kind of a forerunner of those Humphrey Littleton uh, riffs, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Tom, we're not going to repeat. I'm going to tell the story about Tommy Cooper playing at the Bag of Nails, very high, in front of a bunch of gangsters in, in London in, in the fifties, and they started throwing bread rolls at him, and he said, "Stop throwing those bread rolls at me." And they said, "Why should we?" He said. I've got no ad lib for people throwing bread rolls at me. That's brilliant. So they forgave him. So there you are. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word, a way of life. Did we watch the inauguration? We did. It, it, we, I watched it in very strange circumstances. I watched it in the offices of Word magazine, and we had three computers going at once. Andrew Harrison was watching on a BBC feed. Myself and John Sellers were watching it on a computer news feed, internet news feed. As was uh, Mike, 70s Mike Johnson and Kate Mossman. So you had three computers going, and they were <laughs> they were out of sync. So at one point, Andrew goes, I got a president. <laughs> we still have, he's not been inaugurated for us. Don't tell me what happens. You know, we're all sitting there watching the other one. But I was, I was absolutely, utterly riveted. Weren't you? Riveted. Yeah. It was good. Key bit of information about the script writer, Dave. 27 years old, John Favreau. How long has he been writing for Barack Obama? We've been writing for Obama about three years before that. He was right. John Kerry's campaign. Right, three years. So he was 24 when he started writing speeches for Obama. Right? When I was 24, what were we all doing? When I was 24, I was drinking a lot of cider, sitting around the offices of New Musical Express, where I worked, sharing a desk with sort of Tony Parsons, and listening to The Clash. Were you contemplating putting words into the mouth of the most powerful man on the planet? I wasn't, planet? actually, no. I See, wouldn't have believed in the most powerful man on the planet. I would think he was trying to kind of the great know, thing is that the destroy other key the, the underground. Is where he writes his speeches. Oh, in Starbucks. In Starbucks. Is he? And, and the, the new verb that he's come up with Go on. to describe the kind of 24-hour sessions he pulls when writing them, crashing. He crashed through the, the presidential nomination. And he crashed through this. He wrote that in 24 hours? No, that's what he does. Now, he pulls, I know, he pulls I know nothing about this guy, uh, apart from the fact he's 27, and he's called John Favreau. But this is my speculation. I think he's one of that generation of young people who got into politics because they watched the West Wing. Yeah. Oh, right. They'd grown up with the West Wing. And what the West Wing did was glamorise, for certain people, glamorise politics. And the speechwriters were the most glamorous people of all in, in, the, in that. Uh, I don't know if the same thing's happened in the UK, but I, I certainly think it's happened in, in, the, in the US. Kind of people who have thought, 
shall I be a famous Hollywood scriptwriter, or shall I write, you know, the, the President's inaugural address? Oh, I'll do the latter. I've got more chance of doing the latter. I may not get paid as much, but, you know, I can go to Hollywood afterwards. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Can I throw... Well, can I throw it's, a, a, and a also it's interesting that, that, that we now understand that these, you know, that these speeches are written by the people. I mean, the analysis in the Times was by the guy, who, one of the main speechwriters for Tony Blair, who went through the speech yeah. paragraph by paragraph and explained what structurally they were trying to do because they're in their five act plays aren't they you know you start with you know what happened and then uh, try and assess it and then um, you know look at the history and then build very gradually to your massive crescendo about he didn't what get you're the crescendo he went after the crescendo i thought he's rising at the end here he's hoping that the last couple of sentences are going to get buried in applause and they well, well, quite Dave, aretha franklin had, had, had milked could. the audience already they were spent they were spent after seeing what was... She is a broken flush, isn't she? she? Is. Aretha Franklin, she is for Christ's sake. But what she, a hat. I, what a hat. But it's I mean, a heck of a hat. How, how did they introduce it? They said, what was it, something like, uh, and uh, the first inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As if we were supposed to be impressed. Well, I mean, Aretha bloody Franklin she does not records, need to be justified she? by Jan <laughs> Wenner. Well, she, you know yeah, what I mean? By Jan Wenner. Yes, imagine. Next, she's been next to Limp Bizkit. She's in the next and the Black Crows. We know Aretha Franklin is for crying out loud. We don't have to be told by some TV announcer. insult. It is. Oh, oh my God! I'd like to apologise to everybody who's uh, <laughs> just had their eardrums blown by David. <laughs> Sorry, I do that occasionally. But, but um, I want to know, and I can. Uh, 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 the word "massive" might be able to help. Who was the guy who, on the inauguration, before everything actually kicked off, he was he was sat just bes on the right as you looked at the steps out of the Capitol that every, all the presidents and the ex-presidents came out of, um, and he shook the hands of everybody. Who came down? That, yeah. Came down the steps. He obviously knew, or could make himself known to everybody. I think the latter point is probably the key thing. But he leant over and he went, "Hey, do said something to everyone, and everybody turned around. Everybody and, shook his hand and pretended but to go. Knew, oh, hello. They all knew that the world was watching. And so, if you were going to, if you're going to say to anybody, if I'd been there and I'd gone, <laughs> Mr. President, thinking, congratulations or whatever, he would probably have given me a cuddle. Because the worst thing in the world would be to stand there and go, I'm sorry, I don't know you. We haven't been introduced. And also, you're, you're on, you know, eight zillion people are watching. Yeah. The idea that somebody in the crowd wants to shake your hand is pleased to see you is clearly, yeah. is, is exactly what you're looking but for. But I was kind of, I became a bit obsessed because he obviously wasn't a, 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 a party or a, uh, a, a, somebody who'd worked for one specific president because he knew everybody or he, he was probably, oh, he he was probably a stooge for Maxim magazine. It's going to be a hilarious photo <laughs> yes. spread in the next like issue. That, that guy Who are those people with Jeffrey? Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, that guy got in the Man United team photograph, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, Power. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. It's good work from the boy. Can I just, before we move on from the subject <clears> of the inauguration, for anybody who didn't see it, go and look up on YouTube Aretha Franklin inauguration and just listen to the first line she sings. And all I'm going to say is Aretha Franklin's singing style has become so mannered that she now chops words into individual syllables, sometimes with unfortunate consequences, and she is singing, My Country, Tis of Thee. Okay? Just, I'll leave it to you. Okay? You go and find that in the privacy of this your is, This has similarities to John Peel introducing Big Country on, on, um, <laughs> on, on Top of the Pops, the, the band that put the tree in country. Do you remember? Anyway, I think that's what Dave's driving at here. It is horrific. Uh, in the week that Jonathan Ross comes back... Mm. No, we are, well... Is he back this week? This, yeah, the week exciting. Uh, Mark's excited. I'm a I'm huge not. fan. I'm not. Massive um, fan. I am, really. You're giving me a funny look. I, really, I love him. 
Just one further... I, I know we, we kicked this subject around. <laughs> the room this particular horse today. Until it was covered in fluff, you know, <laughs> months ago. But I'm sorry. Until not even the knackers would take it. I'm going to tell you two things. Uh, I, I was recording a BBC Radio 4 thing recently, about a week ago, and I described a Steely Dan chorus as having the dumbest rhyme. And they stopped the recording, and the producer said, can you do that again and not use the word dumbest? And I, I could only assume that that was because of his association with a disability, right? But there's presumably now on some, on some enormous great list... God, do they have a, a list of... A, a, well, a checklist beside them. Then, yesterday, I was on Simon Mayo's programme on Five Live. I was talking to Simon, who said that the week before he played Jilted John's hit... Because it had been Word's favourite one-off hit or something. Yeah. yeah in, in the best and worst. Yeah. And uh, they, had a, they had to have a major committee meeting before he played it. Because at the end, at the fade-out Gordon is a moron. Well, no, not just that. Ah. She's a slag, she's a whore, she's a bitch or something like that on the fade-out. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. And it did, a serious point here. <laughs> that you end up having committee meetings about the acceptability of words, individual words like dumber, dumbest, uh, you know, sh- uh, slag or whatever. But at the same time, <laughs> people thought it was acceptable to ring up somebody and say, you know, he shagged your granddaughter, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And they actually, they thought, well, that's kind of humour. That's sort of all right. Whereas at the same time, you know, they have a list of damn words. It's like, it seems like the, the most startling kind of can't see the wood for the trees issue. You know what I mean? Does that mean as well that the, um, the former members of Deaf School can see not much return of their needle time <laughs> over the next few <laughs> years? The Deaf Jam record label, in fact, has been disbanded. <laughs> yeah. Blind Faith will never get another play on Radio 2. <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, it's true, though. No, it's it? true, yeah. The word. Uh, there's a bloke on the internet who had an idea. W- w- get away. There's a bloke <laughs> on the internet who had an idea I wish I'd had. So I'm not going to mention who he is. I forgot. I don't know his name. He's done all the Beatles records in reverse order. What do you mean he's done them? He's listed 185 Beatles records, starting with the worst. Oh, that's good. With, oh, and I ending see. with it's the best. It's a qualitative thing, right? Oh well, I know the answers. Don't tell me. I know. I know what the worst uh, one is. Go on. Well, it's not a Beatles record. It's Mr. Moonlight, but then didn't write it themselves. So that's the right answer. What's no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> We're not having a discussion here, though. This is just the... a statement of fact. <laughs> these, are, these are songs they wrote themselves, or performances they authored themselves. What does he think the worst Beatles song is? Revolution number nine. Surely. That's true. Yeah. I'm with him on that. It's complete, it's an unlistenable yeah. electronic collage on the white Brian Matthews played it on Sounds of the 60s the other day. I actually had to get up from he my Saturday morning breakfast table. He didn't, did he? Early to over. Oh, really? He played it? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. You know, he does a Beatles se- section where he plays like three tracks that are associated with or whatever, and he played Revolution Number 9. Sure, we got to interview Brian Matthews. I know I can't it, believe he's still working. I, I listened to that show to It's the one before John. It's really Ross, popular. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the most popular yeah. program radio it's television. Absolutely it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's, show. it's, it's more popular of, than Jonathan Ross. In terms of audience share, it's the top program. And he has been broadcasting since 
Apparently, Frank was absolutely made up. I mean, you imagine it. This is exactly what you want to hear. I just love that idea that the reactions are so extreme. I think they, they just they whipped it off. They said it was just absolutely cacophonous. <laughs> but go on. So, what's number two from the uh, bottom? Honey Pie is number two. Oh, no, that's a great song. <laughs> no, oh, no, that's a good song. Not. No, 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 I disagree. Uh, with you're that. really going to disagree with the next one because I know it's a big favourite of yours. Go on. I want you. She's so heavy. But I want you. She's so heavy. Is one of the one of the finest hours. Oh. It's incredible. Oh my god, the last record they ever performed as a, as a, a quartet as well. It was the last recording they ever did. Yeah, right. As the four of them together. But so anyway, they, they, it's a pretty conventional list in the sense that it's, it ends with all the, all the ones that people always go Oh god, about. so what's the whole, oh, this is getting really well, boring now. What's the, the best three, one? Oh. Top three is completely wrong, actually. Oh. Because the third best Beatles record, he reckons, is, is She's Leaving Home, which is just nuts. That, this man is insane. <laughs> it's not a Beatles record, it's a Paul McCartney solo Can we speak to him? It's, well, a, got very a, good, it's a good record. And number two is I Am The Walrus, which is not... Oh, this is... No. A, he's just trying to wind us up. And now. number one is A My Day In The Life. Is what? As A Day In The Life. So it, it's okay, that's from, quite a good choice. Yeah. yeah, but it's coming from that rather ponderous kind of arts programme perspective on the Beatles, isn't it? You know, yes. we only like the Beatles if they've been really serious. Yeah. That, that's the way they kind of look at it. Whereas we all know that the Beatles' greatest record is... Oh, gosh. Uh, is it Wait? John, Matt. Uh, Run For Your Life. I think it's oh. I think it's wait. No, it's oh. run for your life. Where John Lennon invents punk rock single-handedly. Oh, run for your life's a good uh, song. Twenty well, ten years before. What do you think it is? It's no reply. Oh, that's a good song. That's see, because no song. reply. Well, it was brilliant about their record. Is it wasn't it hit because it, came, it didn't, came, came, out as, didn't no come out as a single, and it makes you realise just how unbelievably good I they were. I saw you peek through your window. Like, it's a great lyric. Isn't it's it? Greatest middle age. She's upstairs looking through the window. If I were you, I'd realise that. Yeah, yeah. Some other. Oh, that's brilliant. So. This guy, wrongity wrong. Thanks very much for sending that in, but you are so wrong, mate. didn't send it in. What's the URL? What's the URL, mate? www.wrongityrong.com. That's a good one. Oh, Archie, whoever invented that, I think you should register that URL. Wrongityrong.com. That's a good idea. I use wrongity wrong all the time now, and I owe Archie a pint every time I use it. So, Jay-Z, at the performing history at the Neighbourhood Ball, one of the ten balls that the Obama uh, visited Did he still have night. that hat on? Sorry? Did he still have that hat on? I don't know, he might have done. He sang, um, he sang a song uh, which had the line, My president is black, in fact he's half white, so even in the racist mind, he's half right. We've come a long way from the Beatles, oh, haven't we? God. We had a wonderful time in, in the office watching... Um, uh, Mrs. Obama, come on in her clothes. You're trying to work out she's what... She's tall, isn't she? Yeah, she's terrific looking, actually. She's they? tall. And very tall. And that she's coming in. She's, she's wearing, Dave, a disappointing outfit. No. So we're trying to work out what, what, what oh, the Daily Mail are going to... It was front. disappointing. Yeah. So we're trying to work out the Daily Mail headline. And I, I, I go, I, I lead with, with the worst lady, which I thought was not bad. <laughs> Andrew, no. Curry, Andrew Harrison's one is, White House, shite spouse. <laughs> oh... <laughs> 
Oh, no, you know how cruel those magazines well, are. The, Sorry, I don't mean to... Uh... The, the cleverest thing Barack Obama did in that whole day where he had the, you know, the most media attention on him as an individual any, any human being has ever had. We had a lot of people watching the whistle test. <laughs> don't, don't belittle yourself. Go on, anyway. Was the line when he turned up on stage at one of the balls, I don't know which one it was, and, and as the applause faded, he said, isn't my wife beautiful? That is the cleverest line. Because every woman in the world goes, that's a husband. That's a proper husband. Yes, and yes, And then turned to is. their spouse and went, why can't you be Why can't you say that about me? <laughs> it's because you're not looking good looking as her, darling. <laughs> oh, no, I've made it worse. <laughs> my wife pointed out something. Was My wife pointed out something which was absolutely brilliant, which I hadn't realised, that Michelle Obama was told on the morning of the, um, of the inauguration. Do you know, one thing has changed for you now. You will never ever drive a car ever again. Nice. Not even in retirement? No, because they have... Oh, security. security. I realise they have oh, security, yeah, they have security. They, they, Really, they no, don't drive, drive a car. Never again. Ever again. Yeah. Wherever you want. I want to go down to the shops for a pint of milk. Get in the car, I'll drive you. Or probably, more likely, somebody else will go. I was in a meal once. And, and also, you retain your title for the whole of your life, yeah, don't you? you're Mr. You're President. always Mr. President. Yeah. Which is an extraordinary thing. When you consider how quickly so people are you always, shuffled out. Are here. you always Madam First Lady? You must be something like that. Yeah, people don't call you Laura or Michelle anymore, I would have thought. You know, you, you have some kind of title. What do they call the President of the United States in the first episode of The West Wing? The brilliant beginning to The West Wing. Go on. POTUS. President of the United States. <laughs> it, starts oh, with, it starts with a panic. It's yeah, very, phones, very Roman. Phones are ringing and somebody goes, POTUS is down. Poses is down, and he's fallen off his bike while I exercise him. Poses is down. I love that kind of thing. Absolutely fascinating. It's the name for a Doctor Strangely Strange album. <laughs> so, have we got anything else to to add? I don't think we have. No. This has been enormously enjoyable. I have to say. Do you think it's been enjoyable for the people listening? I'm sure they'll let us know. I think they'll let us know. Hope so. Fingers crossed. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.